This is Owen Tinder Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Owen Tinder Podcast. Hello and welcome to today's Coleman Had a Dream mini podcast. Um, in this series, you know that we've looked at a few favourite football things. Today's item is fouls. So I'm not quite sure how that falls under unfavourite, but it gives it gives Di and I a little little bit of something to, to talk about. So why don't you kick us off? Um, I don't know if this fully counts because I, the more I've gone back and thought about it, I just, I, I just don't know how you can have a, fra- a favourite foul per se. But um, I think the most memorable thing that sticks in my mind was uh, Luis Suarez in the World Cup against Ghana, where he handled the ball on the line. And the ball was definitely going in, handled the ball on the line, dying minutes of extra time, um, denies Ghana a goal. He gets straight red, off he goes, and Ghana get the penalty. Asamoah Gyan steps up to take the penalty, and Suarez is watching from from the... from the tunnel, basically, Jean uh, hits the crossbar with a penalty, um, and that would have sent Ghana through. It didn't. The game goes to penalties, and obviously, Uruguay win on penalties. And my endearing, uh, enduring—sorry, not endearing—anything but endearing. My enduring memory of that World Cup is Jean hitting the bar and Suarez celebrating and running off down the touchline, uh, down the tunnel, sorry, in celebration. So I'm not sure if that fully counts, but that was certainly the most memorable one that came to my mind. I I know it's an awful thing to say because he is, you know, the devil incarnated in some people's eyes, but I kind of love his, end, like, win-at-all-costs attitude. And I know it's a bit dickish, but I really like that. And uh, and as a consequence, I really like that. He absolutely showed no remorse, um, exploited the rules to their fullest. Um, so that is why that is my favourite foul, if that counts. <laughs> yeah, like you say, favourite is a is a pretty strange yeah, a, pr- exactly. a pretty strange term. Um, but no, I agree. I think he is rather a um, polarising character, isn't he? In in terms of. And that's, you know, far from his only um, prattish behaviour. Yeah. I mean, he's, 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 had a few, he's had a few turns that might, that might make this list. Um, yeah, that's like, true. But I can see why um, he's appreciated by those that love Uruguay. So, you know, he's, he's a classic example of, you, you know, you love him when he's yours and you, and you yeah. hate him when he's not. I will say yeah. that obviously I don't excuse all of his behaviour. Obviously the racism thing is obviously awful. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to clarify, just before I think people think I'm excusing his racism. I do often say to, to kids actually, when like when we're coaching and, and talking about football, if they ever want to see what a centre forward should do when they haven't got the ball, just watch Barcelona and watch Luis Suarez for 10 minutes because he's just, he's just a nightmare. I can't imagine marking him. He must be so irritating. Jamie Vardy's the same, just does not stand still. And he's, uh, whilst he's clearly a clown, but he's, he's, I think he's such a good player. Um, and I think uh, in, to an extent, obviously, he's an example to what you should be as a centre forward if you're, if you're pacey and the, your kind of movement and what you should do and you know try and get in behind people and play on the wrong side of people and play in their blind spots. I think he's so good at all of those things. But anyway, that is uh, absolutely not relevant whatsoever. Um, Ruth? I do think there's a difference between enjoying him as a player and still thinking he's a bit of a 
hothead prat as well. Yeah. I love that you're still so polite about all of these things. Well, I'll call someone a dick. You're calling someone a hothead prat. <laughs> trying not to. Which is to. very I'm polite. trying not to. <laughs> right, okay, so over to you. Now, now I've called someone a dick. Um, uh, why don't you tell us what your favourite foul is? Right. Well, I can't... I, I mean, favourite clearly is the wrong word. I was looking for something that I felt was a real turning point in a game and, and in a major game as well. So I've gone way, way back, as my husband just pointed out, <laughs> until before you were born. Hey. So I'm I'm looking at the 1982 semi-final between, uh, in the World Cup, obviously, between what well, then West Germany and, and France. Um, the German, it's a, it's a foul between the German goalkeeper, Tony Schumacher, and Francis uh, Patrick Batterston. So Platini, again, someone that you, you might say you could admire his football and yeah. <laughs> leave, the, leave the rest well alone. Speak, speaking of dicks, um, yeah, carry on. Feeds, feeds, feeds a, a ball through to, um, to Batistone. And he's, he's just broken the line of the defence and he's, he's through on, on goal. He kicks it a little bit ahead of himself, and then out comes Schumacher. So that, um, and basically, for want of a better phrase, Schumacher just runs him over. <laughs> just it, they're both off their feet. Schumacher's in with both his shoulder and his hip, and Batistone ends up unconscious, loses teeth. Um, he's he has cracked ribs. He needs, if I remember rightly, they have to give him oxygen on the field uh, because he's in he's in such a bad a bad way. What was completely unbelievable was that the referee did not only was Schumacher still on the on the pitch, but it was a goal kick. Yeah, it knew. wasn't. That, I mean, France got absolutely nothing out of this. And also the way that the substitutes had gone. Batistone had come on as a substitute. He might have been on maybe 10 or 15 minutes at that point. Um, and, of course, obviously with him stretched off, France ended up using their last substitute. So they went into um, the extra time in, in that game not able to make any uh, make any substitutes either which obviously impacted them um so at the end of full time it was 1-1 and despite all of this within extra time France end up 3-1 up and and we're all thinking okay so it's it hasn't happened in the order that it should have happened it hasn't happened appropriately but at least they're going to go through yeah. to the final because because the, the west the west germans do not deserve a place and unfortunately, because of the substitute, because of the substitute situation, the French got tighter and tighter. The Germans got a second wind, and the, and they ended up coming back to three three. So it went to penalties. And if I remember rightly, I think this might have been the first time that one of these World Cup knockout games had actually gone to penalties. I don't remember, at least personally, I don't remember one earlier than that, that game. Yeah. Um, and of course, Schumacher, you know being Schumacher, he played a very, very key role in the um, in the penalties. And ultimately, as they do, the Germans went the Germans went through. <laughs> the Germans do what um, the Germans do. I think as they do, as they do. Um, and I think it would be hard to find a situation where one foul had as much of an impact on such a key a 
key game. Um, and, and the whole, what had been a very good tournament as well, the 82 World Cup really was a, a great tournament to watch. And for it to, at least in part, be decided by something um, so abhorrent was, was really quite upsetting, actually, as a, as a football fan. No, I can understand that. It's uh, that's one of those memories that I think every one of those things that every football fan will know that moment. And like before mm. you before you explained it to me beforehand, like I knew straight away what you were talking about, and I, and I can I can picture the moment and the fact that he doesn't even that nothing happens basically. It's mm. play on. It kind of blows my mind. Um, the other one that I, I thought of you speaking of France there reminded me of uh, Zinedine Zidane. And his headbutt of Matarazzi. And I, I have, like, the way he played in that game was, like, absolutely outrageous. Like, he was brilliant at the at the start. He scores the dinked Panenka penalty that comes off the crossbar. <laughs> and then he headbutts Matarazzi in the chest. In his final ever game of football is the World Cup. And that yeah. image of him kind of walking off down the tunnel with the as he walks past the, 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 the World Cup trophy, is just such an enduring image. And I don't know whether that comes under the category of fouls or whether it's my favourite or not, for that matter. But um, I found that uh, I, that memory is something that will always stick with me as a football fan. Um, it's a key, t- key turning point, obviously, isn't it, in that, in that game? Absolutely. And the fact that France held on for as long as they did uh, and obviously <laughs> then lost on penalties is, uh, is crazy. Um, to move on, what are the? Uh, we're going to add this one on to the end very, very quickly because I don't really think we have too much to say on it. But we did say that if someone makes a suggestion about our favourite thing, then we will <laughs> endeavour to talk about it. So as such, Ruth, what is your favourite Craig Bellamy post-match interview? <laughs> well, I have to confess that because I've been over here for the bulk of Bellamy's career... Um, there's a, a lot of these interviews I've, I've, you know, I've heard of, but I've never actually listened to them. Um, the coverage in, coverage in the US didn't tend to stretch to a, a Craig Bellamy rant post-game. Um, Shame on but them. But the few that I have seen, I think the rant after the defeat to Finland, where it's just like, excuse my French, they were shit, we were shit, everybody was shit, we haven't got a hope of anything happening, <laughs> nothing's going on, we're not going anywhere, we're out of the, we're out of the qualifying again. Da, da, da. Um, I think he, he vocalised what we were all thinking at the time, and, you know, I, I kind of pat on the back for him for not, not shying away and just being the kind of, you know... Uh, <laughs> passive uh those sort of passive post-game interviews that you often get i think he did that a few times as well didn't he where he was like they were shit we were shit no no one deserves <laughs> anything from this um that's one of the reasons i like craig bellamy a lot is because he's he is not afraid to speak his mind and i think we need more people like that in football um my favorite one was after man city had beaten chelsea just at this time when man city's money was starting to tick in and um, I think they won either 2-0 or 2-1. And it was the first game, if my memory serves, after all the John Terry and Wayne Bridge controversy when they played against each other for the first time and people refusing to take shake John Terry's hand uh, and all this sort of stuff. And I, as I say, I think they won either 2-0 or 2-1 Man City. And it was the first time that they, um, that 
kind of team had had a big scalp away from home. And at the end of the game, he Craig Bellamy was asked, what is your thoughts on all this controversy? And his response, was, he said, nothing surprises me about JT. Absolutely nothing surprises me about that bloke. And it was just such a brilliant response. Like it was what your response from a man in the pub would be. I've heard he's a bit of a dick, Clive. Yeah, I know, Tone. Like, like it was that sort of thing. And I absolutely loved it. Like, he just doesn't care. And I just got so much time for that. Um, so that is my uh, favourite Craig Bellamy post-match interview. We will leave this one there. I think we have uh, ticked all the boxes on that one. Next, we have our favourite flag and refereeing decision, which I'm uh, looking forward to interesting ones. Um, so thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll be in touch again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>